This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Product Coffee, a podcast where product professionals from Ibotta share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. So grab a cup of joe and join us to level up your product career 30 minutes at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, Zach LaGreca. I'm your other co-host, Jamie Douglas. Kevin Gentry. Patrick Kuchkowski. And Jake Worland. So today we are talking about kind of this idea of um, how we have to make decisions as product managers and there are a lot of decisions to make and obviously we always have all of the information necessary to make every decision, right? Always. <laughs> <laughs> um, so obviously that not being the case, sometimes it can feel a little bit like we are winging it and you're kind of just on the fly trying to make a decision. And uh, When is winging it necessary for the job and when is it the sign that something is wrong or that it's detrimental to what we're trying to do any thoughts yeah i mean i think the the first one that jumps out at me is i think it's okay to come in with a little bit of knowledge especially about your space and kind of working with the team Um, i think it ends up as a detriment if you're doing it for your product in particular Uh, If you're like, well, we think this is going to be it, so screw it, you know, kind of thing. So if you're not making educated decisions that aren't backed by solid testing, um, I unfortunately have winged it probably one too many times in front of SLT uh, in some of the insightful questions they ask. Uh, Can you define SLT real quick? Uh, Acronym. (laughs) Acronyms. We need the bell. Um, (laughs) So senior leadership team, prized of C-suite, so CEO, CTO, COO, etc., uh, so generally, the more senior executives in the organization, um, you know. So we generally do periodic roadmap check-ins. We'll talk about what our high-level strategy is, how that blends with the overall company strategy. And it's always terrible if you walk in, you're like, "I have this great idea, but I haven't really thought it through all the way." And then the CEO is like, "How does this work with this thing?" And you're like, mm-hmm. "It doesn't." Uh, <laughs> let me get back to you. Um, but I will say the the best takeaway I've ever learned, and this one I learned very quickly, actually in the army is when you're briefing, you know, general officers and officers, it is perfectly okay to say, I don't know, mm-hmm. but yeah. say, I will get back to you. Mm-hmm. And so don't bluff it, just mm-hmm. literally say, like, I don't know, or I'll get you an answer, mm-hmm. and they'll respect that much better than you coming up with something on the fly. So Yeah, yeah that's a great point. You, you mentioned one thing that I wanted to touch on, though. You said when winging it with your product, and I, um, you said, you, for the most part, we want to use data in our decision-making. But I'm wondering if that kind of puts us in a state of paralysis and not um, making decisions fast enough, even though they're not, they might not be the right ones, right? So like um, you might not get to market in time fast enough um, if you didn't make that decision. But sometimes, you know, that's kind of by your gut and that's not really driven by data. So um, wanted to get you guys' take on that. Like, have you ever come across those things where you know, you had enough data to just go with your gut and then kind of make that bet. And then if you have, 
has that worked or have you gotten burnt by those kind of things yeah that's that's a good question the answer for me is yes uh there are times where i have not had enough data and you kind of have to use intuition to make a decision i actually think that's an important part of product management like i think sometimes we want an overabundance of data Mm -hmm. so that we can feel 100% great about the decisions we're making. Yeah. But the the reality is when you're trying to build something new and useful for people, you're not going to have 100% um, of data to support your decisions. It's always going to be a trade-off. There's always going to be multiple options that look appealing, and it's going to be hard to know which ones are the, the right ones to make. Um, yeah, so I when think, do you go with your intuition on that versus, like, yeah, like you said, you have enough data mm-hmm. to feel confident that the right decision. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think in general it's important to always include intuition in mm-hmm. your, is, is a point of data. Yeah. Now, I think there's a point where when do you ignore data for intuition is maybe another topic. So the, to answer mm, the first question yeah. is, um, you know, launching new products or new features especially that, like, kind of are a different paradigm from past products you've re- released, or if it's just a net new product that you're trying to, mm-hmm. trying to build something brand new for people. Um, a lot of the times when you're doing that, you may not have perfect frames of reference for what exactly to build. You know, if you're going to, you want to build a new mobile phone, well, I mean, we have a pretty good history of, like, what the next product should look like, um, but if you want to build, you know, something that hasn't quite fully been done before, you have to try and figure out what that looks like, and I think that's where use the data you can use, but also like try to put yourself in the shoes of a consumer of what mm. feels like a good experience. And that's kind of nebulous, but I think that's kind of the, the mix of art and science and product mm. management is you bring data points, but you also have to bring kind of a feeling of, of like taste and what feels like a good experience to a user. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you mentioned a good point about the uh, um, which kind of product, like is it, how greenfield is it, for mm-hmm. instance, and I think, I mean, Technically, any of the ideas that we have can be that green field, but, mm-hmm. yeah. I think for me, it's it's a question of how much... Do you have enough information to take the next step in the process, right? Because I, I think we can all agree that bad product management is like saying, hey, we're going to go build this thing. It's going to take us six months, and we'll <laughs> go ship it, and we'll do it later. Yeah. Right? And, like, there's no way you can be that sure, right? And the whole point of the lean startup model is to iterate your way into solving a problem. So mm-hmm. I think part of... The question here is like, do I have enough to say like, yes, we're going to invest a sprint into thinking about how to get an MVP out there. Okay, we've got the MVP out there. Do I have a test that I can run to then give me the next set of data that I can make the next decision in terms of like launching this to more users or whatever the case may be. But that doesn't quite answer the question of like how much data do you need to make that step? But I think there's some comfort in knowing that you don't have to know everything up front. You just have to know enough to be willing to invest in learning more, essentially. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's also oftentimes just a matter of experience. The more times you've released a product and watched it crash and burn, <laughs> yeah, or watch it succeed, uh, the more you start to see the pitfalls, the more you understand, like, okay, I can wing it in this domain. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so as you get into product management, having the data becomes critical, leaning on the experiences of others. As you mature and you mm-hmm. you know launch more and more complex products it probably starts to become a little easier. So, yeah, you're like, okay, I have enough data or I understand where I you know, need to test more, but maybe I can you know, trust my gut a little bit here. But. I think it's really important to feel comfortable as a PM saying, I don't know. I think, are you mm-hmm. talking about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I got burned early on as a PM 
when I went into like the equivalent of an SLT meeting at a previous company and I kind of sugarcoated it <laughs> and the CEO called me out. Like, I haven't done that. <laughs> yeah. In, in the middle of the meeting and he was like, just tell, just give it to me straight. And yeah. I was like, yep. Fair. All right. <laughs> and that was like a defining moment. Like I remember yeah. that very clearly to this day, like <laughs> several years later. Um, so I think it's part of the fun of the job is being able to like talk about the good things that happen and we also need to be able to just tell us straight. Yeah. Yeah. Here's, here's the reality. Yeah, to that end, I think that I have this, um, I face this too, is we need to put trust in our stakeholders and people at the company to be able to say, you know what, actually, this probably is going to negatively impact you or, you know, to the, the, the point of I don't know. Um, otherwise, we have a tendency to just sort of over simplify things or to kind of skip over things. And I think it seems it seems like I've noticed over time that misinformation and disinformation is more harmful ultimately mm-hmm. than just saying like it's a problem we haven't figured out yet and we gotta mm-hmm. we gotta dig into that. So um, so I would agree with that. I think that's really important. Like misinformation or the wrong information often is more harmful than no information at 100%. all. Hundred percent. I think that's really important. I've also I think we've like it sounds like we've all we're all nodding here. Like I've been <laughs> burned by this too. Where especially earlier in your product career, like you feel like I have to know everything. I have to be this expert. You know, that's why they put me here. Everyone needs to listen to me when I have no true authority. So I have to just be the expert and know everything. Mm -hmm. And especially when you're new and coming into a new job and you're like, I've got to make an impact. And so you have to pretend that you know everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, but I, I think sometimes you actually do gain more respect by being willing to admit what you don't know, what you were wrong about. You know, I, I think as, as product managers, we're still like human. Like it's, it's easy for it to be like this mystical job. And you know, it's an interesting job and it can be a hard job and a fulfilling job, but it, we're just people. Mm-hmm. We're gonna get things wrong, we don't know everything. And I think bringing that human element to it actually uh, in the longer term instills a lot more trust with leadership, with stakeholders, with your, your engineering team, mm-hmm. so. To the point of being in those meetings where you have to answer questions sort of on the fly, um, there are times, I'm sure we've all experienced, where you have plenty of time to prepare for something, and then you have no time to prepare for something, and you really do have to wing it. How do you prepare for the time, at least mentally, when you have to go into something where you haven't been able to do as much upfront work as you'd want to? Yes. (laughs) This is a great question, because I've thought about this a lot. because I, I used to need way too much time to prepare. Because I would want everything to get mm-hmm. to be right. I'd want my presentation to be flawless. I would want to have data for every possible mm-hmm. scenario or question. And I used to sit and think, what is every question that this audience might <laughs> ask me? Obviously, that's not sustainable, especially yeah. as you know, it's to be a larger audience. And so, the way I think about it now is, what is the core objective of this meeting, and who is the core person looking for information or a decision or direction? and kind of focus on this is the core thing to communicate. I simplify like what you're trying to, to convey, especially if it's last minute. Yeah. Um, you know, so if the core audience is your leadership and they're looking for what's on the horizon, I mean, you should be able to speak to that to some extent about what you're building. Focus on the core things of here's what we're building and the impact it's driving. Or if this is a presentation with a stakeholder, focus on what, what are they looking for out of, out of this. It goes back to knowing your audience, right? Knowing what they care about. And I think you can prepare until the end of time. And you can imagine all the different scenarios forever, never, 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 never. But I think what I've found is a lot of that stuff you just never use, 
right? Like one of the things that I had to work on when I first started here is like cutting down SLT presentations and just yeah. knowing you're going to have about five slides yeah. and then it's going to, the conversation's going to go in a direction you have no idea. Like it, you just need, I think it's just being ready to talk to general themes as opposed to thinking about specific questions. So what, if you, yeah, I think what you said, like be ready. Yeah. Like I think understanding your product and knowing these things like yeah. back of your hand, then yeah. in those conversations, as questions come up, you can kind of pull them out of your tool chest. And right. And it feels like talking out of your ass at the time, <laughs> but like, I think the preparation comes into play being able to confidently and um, correctly in a lot of cases, most cases I would like to think, um, speak to those things and answer those questions. Yeah, <clears throat> there's a lot of times where um, you'll last minute be thrown on an invite, and you're, they're like, can you talk about this thing? And you're like, uh, I guess yes is the answer. Um, so I think, to your point, already having a very good understanding of your entire problem space and the things that you've tried to solve in the past and things you're trying to solve in the future. But I also think as, like, you know, tried and true as it sounds, you really only get better with that, with practice. Yeah. So it's the more times that that happens and you have that experience, even if you have, you know, less and less time to repair, or even if you'd rather walk into that meeting with more data, you can still at least say, like, this is how I approach this kind of situation, and so this is what I'll disseminate as a result. Yeah, and I, I kind of see it as, like, generalized preparedness overall versus being prepared for everything that could happen specifically exactly, yeah. because you're going to be in so many meetings mm -hmm. like it's just not sustainable and I used to do this like I'd, I'd be burning myself mm -hmm. self out working on new presentations every night at 8 p.m. because of some other meeting that was coming up and I think the reality is that meetings are meant to be working through th problems together with other teams and hashing through like what do we need to do what needs to get done and I think that's most effective when people just kind of know what they're they're talking about and so generally know your product yeah know your market and that's the type of thing where you should be spending time every day every week like you know thinking through your product where you want it to go what your users need what the landscape the competitive landscape looks like what the market is looking for those types of things and if you're investing regular time into that you're going to be able to answer quest the natural questions that will come up because you'll have a point of view as opposed to just putting together a pretty presentation every time well kind of on that topic i think the one thing I've noticed, to your point, Jamie, as well, is as you become more mature and do this more often, the amount of time you spend on a presentation changes, too. So whereas you may have been up till 8 p.m. working on it, I feel like even now with SLT, I'll just be like, okay, I need 30 minutes because we're going to, to Jay's point, have these broad topics, mm -hmm. yep. and then we're going to drill in as needed or you know expand higher. So don't you know waste the additional energy getting into the minutiae yep. because it will change. Yeah, much like with you know, product prioritization, Understanding what is the most important thing you need to convey and mm -hmm. trying to simplify yeah. that. And that's hard, but you'll get better over time. And, you know, the more you just kind of invest yourself in doing that regularly, the easier it becomes. So the other topic, because I feel like we've gotten focused a little bit on more of that executive, more of the other stakeholders mm -hmm. and others in business. When is it acceptable to be winging it with your team yeah. and squad if there's specifically, hey, you're walking into a grooming session or, you know, we have questions about this, you know, and you're like, I have no idea. So, how do you handle that? It's a good question, and like I think that as a PM in those meetings, you're supposed to be that voice of the business or the acceptance criteria, the requirements. So, if you're winging those, maybe that's not the right thing. Um, but maybe there's a level of, of um, 
where that's that is okay in some scenarios. Maybe we're getting too detailed and we need to get a little more high level. Or well, and one thing I know I ran into just recently with some of the mobile team was there's a Titan line that we're streaming towards, mm-hmm. and how a lot of the engineers are communicating to me is like, "Hey, can we have a little bit more time?" But it wasn't you know what's going on in the background. So one question I, I'm literally just starting to ask this week, and I'd be curious if other people have had success with this, is asking what the trade-offs are. So if we're pushing hard for a stake, you know, for a mm-hmm. deadline that's kind of arbitrary, are we giving up tests, yeah. which is what was happening in the background, but wasn't quite called out. Yeah. Um, it was kind of in the wording, but you know, until you kind of start pulling it out of people. And as a consequence, we decided to shift our deadlines to the right. But what other questions have you started to ask to kind of get to that so that you're not really winging it like yeah this seems like a great decision on two seconds of notice yeah i i mean looking at trade-offs is always important and i think i i still tend to to overlook that at times it's like wait we should go look at the trade-offs it's very simple it feels too easy but it's like one of the most important things you can do um i can kind of the other thing i i go into like team meetings with is the mindset of we're here to help solve the right problems at the right time and make sure everyone understands why we're doing what we're doing, how that fits with our vision and our strategy, and then understanding the most efficient and effective ways to get there. Um, and so not knowing the answer is fine. That's going to happen. Like that happens to me all the time, but looking at, okay, we have all these questions. We're not sure if we need to build this new service or we're not sure, you know, some compliance issues come up and is that our problem? And your job as the the PM is to understand how does that ladder up to your strategy, to the product roadmap, to what you're trying to accomplish, and is that a priority right now? Um, And kind of understanding where to steer your team's um, kind of attention, energy, and time investment at any given time, because things are gonna come up and that's your job as the PM. It's not their job to kind of understand like, you know, separating the wheat from the chaff of like what we should be doing. Um, so I, I think this has been interesting because winging it, it's kind of spanning a lot of things. We've talked about winging it in leadership meetings. We've talked about winging it, working with our team. We've talked about it with our product a little bit. Um, and I think this is reminding me of an article I read. I'm, I'm forgetting who it's by, but um, a, a product speaker uh, talks about the importance of being uncomfortable and how and they liken it to like jazz music. Um, we'll find we'll find the article and link it in the notes. Um, but uh, kind of the metaphor was that you know, as a jazz musician, you have to adapt to things that are always changing. But there's still patterns you follow, and there's still you're still an expert at your craft and what you're doing. And I think really good product managers do that. It's like you can wing it to a certain extent, and you have to be kind of constantly adapting. And I yeah. think not winging it in the sense of you're never prepared and don't know what's going on. I think we all agree that's not the right mindset, but winging it in the sense that you have to be able to quickly adapt and that's uncomfortable. And so if you're still uncomfortable with things changing and kind of this whole process, I mean, that's par for the course and that's kind of good. If you're uncomfortable, there's self-awareness there as well. And so I think that's worth calling out. Yeah. I think the other thing that I would add, like when I think about winging it, the other way that I would frame that is taking a risk. Right? When you're winging it, you're making a decision with limited information and you're, you're doing something and you're not completely sure that it's going to mm-hmm. be right. And you're just putting yourself out there to your point, Zach. You're going to be uncomfortable in that moment. And I think the key to being successful as a product manager and growing as a product manager is knowing the outcome of that risk. Right? Did I take the right risk? Did I get it right? Did I get it wrong? And then remembering the next time you're in a very similar situation. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not going to walk down that road again because I ended up in a place that was kind of like a hornet's nest. 
um, as opposed to sunshine and rainbows. Um, so I think it's there's an element here of being willing to wing it. Like it's not necessarily a bad thing. Like take the risk, understand what's at stake, understand what risk you're taking, but also realize like this is the outcome of that risk that I took. These are the actions that I needed to take differently, or the actions I need to take differently next time if I want to avoid being in the situation I ended up in, if it was bad, or this worked. And I did something right here. And just continuing to reflect on that, I think, is pretty important. Yeah, I think yeah. what you just said there, being uncomfortable, like if you, I mean, this podcast is meant to level your career up. And if you're not feeling uncomfortable as a product manager within a week, like within your work week, I would definitely put yourself in those situations that make you feel uncomfortable to know that you're learning and you're progressing because like you said each thing that you kind of correct yourself or take a note of like I took this risk and then I learned this thing I mean that's really good for your career and I think long term can have really good um, um, career growth for your product um, in general so I think you know be aware of that but also don't get discouraged because yeah. that happens to a lot of folks I so. guess I just told people to wing it <laughs> uh, some winging it is good. We're about to see a whole bunch of bad yeah. products roll out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All your fault, Jake. We heard this thing on product coffee. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, wing it as an IE quickly adapt to changes, but know, know your product, know your market. Um, and yeah, I, I think being productively uncomfortable <laughs> is maybe a way I'd put it. Like, uh, if you're not uncomfortable, you're probably not growing. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you'll get, the further you get into your career, the better you'll get about identifying where you should take that, like, take yourself in areas where you're not super comfortable. Um, you know, whether it's starting to direct more high-impact products that, you know, affect uh, the bottom line more directly or work more with presentations with, you know, executive leadership or whether it's starting to mentor, you know, lead a team of product managers, uh, it's all going to be uncomfortable, so. And you'll get better, so. You'll get better, yeah. Hang gets, in there. <laughs> yeah, it, it, gets, it gets better, and so I think that's the point is that as a product manager, you never know everything. Yeah. Um, you're going to always lack data, but I think the one other thing I'd like to add is be in a mindset of always trying to learning and gather as much data as possible, mm -hmm. because yeah. when you wing it, it's still your, your job and your responsibility to make as good of a decision as you can make. The more data you have, the better. So even if you don't have all the data, always be looking for more data. And if you learn something that changes a decision you've made, a lot of times you can alter course. It's pretty rare that you make a decision that is completely irrevocable. So, all right. Well, um, thanks for joining us on this episode of Winging It. Any last thoughts <laughs> from everyone? No, just revel in the uncomfortableness. Yeah, Re Revel in the uncomfortableness. Um, yeah, I'd like one more thing I'd like to say that's really helped me out. Um, um, I learned from our CTO, Luke Swanson. Um, he he kind of measured the, or, or explained the SLT, those kind of reviews or those kind of um, meetings as like um, lifting weights. So like if you're just not lifting weights consistently, then you can really hurt yourself. Mm -hmm. But if it's, uh, if you're continually doing it and practicing, it's just another rep and then it's kind of, then you'll get better at it. So I think just, just keep those reps and keep get keep getting those reps um, as your product management uh, yep. career progresses. But that's a, that's a great metaphor. And I think one, one final metaphor would be kind of the Bob Ross approach of happy <laughs> accidents. Like happy accidents. you don't want to make mistakes, but when you do, sometimes they're, unintended benefits that come from that you certainly learn and grow so 
don't go into it looking to see how can I just mess up, obviously. But know that you're going to make mistakes and embrace that. Yeah. Learn from it. Uh, learn to be uncomfortable and use that continual process of learning and gathering data to get better about quickly adapting or, as we've kind of been calling it, winging it in a productive way. Yeah. So, Well, thanks for listening. Um, make sure to like, comment, comment rate us five rate, stars. Subscribe. Tell all your friends and family. Don't let them... <laughs> go to sleep until they've listened to the podcast. Maybe uh, name all of your pets after us. Yes, <laughs> all, buy pets and name them after all, all of us. Uh, so that's all we ask. <laughs> Small ask. <laughs> Small ask. Um, but once again, thanks for listening to Product Coffee. Now go level up. Welcome to Product Coffee, a podcast where product professionals from Ibotta share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. Oh, God. We're starting strong. It's starting intro, strong. man, I'm telling you. Intros uh, are always hard. Any like, canned, you know. I know. I, I, yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and now he's taking photos. So we're Patrick or Jamie, up. squeeze in there. <laughs> oh, wow. Flamingo is just going to be in the picture. Okay. <laughs> uh, take two. Usually I get it right these days. It's only been 35 times. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, exactly. More than that. <laughs> yeah, with all the retakes. <laughs> High expectations, Zach. I know. I know. Now, I'm, now, I'm, now that I'm thinking about it. Just make it up it, as you uh, go. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to this podcast where talking happens. I, think I might just leave all of this in. <laughs> I guess it's fitting for the theme. No edits. Yeah. Because I want all of our listeners to hear me say copy. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be in the outro. <laughs> yeah. All right.